welcome everyone to the Elevate Podcast. Today I've got my great friend Al Said with me. You know, the goal for this podcast is really to just create a platform for people to be able to watch and then elevate their character from nuggets that they hear us talk about. So this is something new that I'm gonna do. I'm actually gonna intro you. I've never really introed anybody before. So every time I do a podcast, I try to make it a little bit better, or a little bit different. Yeah. So I met you through your bro, right? Your brother is a real estate agent in, in yep. Orange County. Yep, yep. Um, I met you, you were a lender, a team leader, you're a self-development junkie. You're a fighter in incredibly great shape, by the way. You came in a tank top and short shorts. I'm like, great, way to rub it in. <laughs> um, you're running multiple businesses that I don't know a lot about, but I know a little bit about what you're working on. And you're an amazing family man. You've got a beautiful wife, which ironically, your story is very similar to mine, where you met your wife, Alyssa, on vacation, and you got married within the year. Mm -hmm. And I did the same thing. The only difference is you have two beautiful girls that you spend a lot of time with. And, and ultimately, you have a beautiful dog. So. Yeah, I do. Now we have two, by the way. Oh, Tanya really? got a puppy. Uh-oh. Yeah. So she got a puppy. So we're dealing <laughs> with that right now. Um, and we've gone from professional acquaintances yep. to friends to now business partners. Yeah. We're actually, it was so crazy. Somebody was like, hey, who's that? I know that guy. It's Alan. I go, he goes, is he your friend? I go, wait, he's my business partner, man. We're doing stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I'm so glad that you said yes to when I asked you to come on this podcast and welcome. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Really excited to be here. We've had an interesting evolution of a relationship over the last 10 years and wouldn't trade it for the world. Awesome, so. man. Me too. So what's your experience around podcasting just in general? So I know like, have you done any before? Like what's yeah. your vibe? So I've been on, I don't know, maybe a handful of podcasts as a, uh, as a guest and um, just have fun with it. I do have aspirations to start my own podcast eventually. Uh, probably the next couple of years, I'm super focused on growing our uh, vacation rental management company right now. So literally every single waking hour is invested into that as well as some of the some of the larger projects that we're working on. Um, so love the podcast scene. I think it's totally revolutionizing um, self-development, personal development, growth, access to content and information from, you know, mega wealthy and, uh, you know, star status celebrities. And so it's cool to to get a lot of this content and be able to push it out. And so I've gotten a lot of insight as a listener on obviously a lot of podcasts. And so when you present me the opportunity, I thought, well, man, if, if I can help make an impact on one person's life, I think it's worth it for sure. Yeah. No, I, I love the podcast vibe. It's like, there's so many people that are doing incredible things and I want to pick their brain, but nobody wants their brain picked. <laughs> So when you ask someone to be on their, your podcast, you actually get to pick their brain, but they don't feel that way. That's so true. So it's an awesome way to just grow and learn and, and then obviously make, make a difference contribution-wise. So um, I was talking to Tanya this morning, and I was like, hey, babe, I'm going to talk to Al on my podcast today. What's one question you would ask Al if, if you had the chance to interview him? And he goes, she said, ask him how he has his shit together at 31. <laughs> that's 32, literally what 32. she said 32 yeah. she goes ask him how he has his shit together so you know i think we're we're a little bit of a different generation tanya and i grew up partying from the age mm. of like 18 to let's say our late 20s and so um you know you obviously did it differently give us a little background sure. on how you just kind of hit the ground running as a as a young uh, entrepreneur uh okay so i'm gonna try to condense this story down to a few minutes um so i Grew up in an interesting life. Um, my uh, my dad left when I was twelve, and 
Uh, my older brother, seven years older, Fred, which you know, and Fred really stepped in as like the father figure slash the older brother in my life after my dad left. Um, you know, we, we faced a lot of adversity growing up, uh, both within the household. You know, our, our parents moved here in 86. I was born in the U.S. My brother was born in Iran, and they moved here just after the revolution. Um, so when they moved here, like they didn't speak any English, they didn't have money, they didn't have anything. So my dad just literally hustled his way um, through the car business, the wholesaling car business, and started making money and just slaying cars in the street, working his tail off seven days a week, you know, probably 70 hours a week. And so while, you know, I don't think he was the best, necessarily uh, best role model as a father growing up in certain aspects, I definitely uh, got my grit and hard work from him. And um, so after he left, you know, I was kind of forced to grow up pretty quick. So Fred was older. He was about 19 years old. Uh, after I think about a year after my, my uh, dad left, uh, Fred uh, met his now wife and, you know, they moved out and they started their life together. And, um, and so I was just in a position where my mom was not in the best mental place after my dad left. She was dealing a lot with depression for a few years. And, and so I just, I, ha I was forced to grow up. Um, I, a lot of my younger years I spent around some of the, some of the wrong, wrong influences, got into trouble and, uh, you know, went through that whole party phase. I just did it sooner. So I grew up with a lot of people that were my brother's age. So when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16, I was growing up with 21, 22, 23 year olds. So I went through a lot of that party phase got into trouble, got into the fights, you know, just went through that whole thing. I just went through it younger than most people experience it. And I, uh, it was interesting. I was driving here and I'm like, I wonder if, I wonder if this question is going to get brought up and how I'm going to address it. And the one thing that came up to me that the, the recurring thought that came up to me, um, was when I graduated high school, barely, um, not because of, uh, the fact that I, you know, didn't know how to do math or, or, uh, did not pass the test. I just lost complete interest in, anything related to academics. Football is the reason why I got through high school. I, I think if it wasn't for football, I wouldn't have cared about my grades at all and would have gotten kicked out. But um, I was smart enough in high school after I turned 18 in December. So I had about six months before I graduated when I was 18 years old and thought to myself, well, I'm a legal adult now and the principal cannot contact my parents to let them know that I'm ditching school. So after I turned 18, I barely showed up to high school. And then my vice principal called me in one day and said, I know that you think that I'm not going to call your parents because you're over 18, but you're sourly mistaken. And so she called my mom and I think I was three weeks away from graduating high school. And she said, if your son misses one more day, he's not, uh, he's not going to walk. And so I decided at that point, okay, well, I made it this far. Let me at least graduate high school. Went through that, go to college. I went to uh, Irvine Valley College for a week. And I remember I was sitting in Spanish class and I went... <laughs> man, there is just no way I'm going to sit through four years of this. There's just no way. And so I walked out of that class and went, well, I got to figure my shit out. And so that's when I, uh, I was in a, a sales, um, sales position at that time doing debt settlement, credit counseling, phone sales. Uh, and one of the guys that I worked with at the time used to sell mortgages back in the subprime days. Did really well. In fact, he asked me if I wanted to, he was going to shift back into the mortgage business. And this was at uh, about halfway through 2010, beginning to, to second quarter of 2010. Um, and I said, okay, well, I don't even know how to spell mortgage. Um, what's the story about? And he said, well, you got to sell like you're doing here and you can make some big paychecks. I said, okay, well, what's a big paycheck look like? So he pulled out his bank statements out of, and this is back in, again, 2010. We didn't have digital copies of most stuff. So he pulled out an old filing box full of his filed bank statements from 2005 and 2006. And I remember he showed me his statements and he was depositing $600,000 a month in his bank account. The interesting thing that stood out to me was that he was overdrafting every single month. 
in his bank account because he was just spending more money. Uh, he was spending it faster than it came in. And so that was, you know, I, I basically looked at him and I said, if I can get an absolute fraction of this, if I can get $3,000 a month in income, I'm in. And so we shifted to the mortgage, uh, mortgage business then. And I just started hustling, dude, like calling everybody, talking to everybody I could. I was 18. I was 19 years old at the time. So obviously nobody I knew uh, was in a position to buy a house, but I just said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to work harder than everybody else. And that's something I learned from my dad. I just watched him over the years and he never complained about work. He never, um, you know, he had his challenges and his demons like most of us do, but the guy just got up every single day and pounded the pavement to bring in uh, food for the family. And so I, I think that's where it all started. I love that, man. So that's where you got your work ethic. Yeah, I'd say so. And obviously watching my brother, I mean, his, his work ethic, as you know, is pretty sickening too. So yeah. When did you get into self-development? I feel like you're, you know, you, you definitely are on that self-development train. Um, yep. I'd love to learn a little bit more about that because I know when I first met you, you were working with the core mm -hmm. um, and you were just looking to build like a monster lending business and a team. And I know you've gone through Tony Robbins and, and a lot yeah. of probably other things that I don't even know about. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So it all kind of started around that same time. So I got into the mortgage business. Um, it was actually just before I got in the mortgage business. So it was in a sales role. And this was right before I graduated high school. So I was uh, 18 years old at the time, hadn't graduated yet, but I started, uh, it was actually interesting. I had um, a guy that I met randomly on the street in Irvine one day in, in an apartment neighborhood. He drove by in a Lamborghini and I, he pulled over and he parked in front of me. He lived in the neighborhood and I was actually visiting a friend and he gets out of the car and I just, you know, 18 years old growing up completely broke and you see a Lamborghini pull up in front of you and you're like, what does this guy do? I need to know. Yeah. Uh, so I just walked up and I asked him, I said, what do you do, man? Like you're driving a $250,000 car. Um, and he handed me a CD. And I remember at the time he worked for prepaid legal services. It was a network marketing company. Okay. That was my first exposure to network marketing or multi-level marketing companies, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he handed me that tape and he, or that CD and he said, uh, this is it. If you're interested, take a look at the opportunity. My number's on the back and call me. And I remember listening to the audio and uh, it was Jim Rohn. So that was my first exposure to, to personal development was listening to an audio CD of Jim Rohn. Um, and obviously Jim is, is kind of the pioneer of personal development, the grandfather of personal development as he's, as he's uh, referred to these days. Um, and back then he was very big in the multi-level marketing personal development space. They paralleled. So that was kind of my first exposure. Like I, I basically um, was able to somehow talk this guy into mentor, mentoring me in life uh, and I'm still kind of perplexed as to how, how old were uh, you right here? I was 18 years old at the time. I still hadn't graduated college or excuse me, high school. Uh, and so <clears throat> I think I was a few months away. <clears throat> that's, that's kind of why I stopped going to school too, was I was hanging out with that mentor a lot. And I was literally for three months straight hanging out with them. I was partying with them. They were making a bunch of money, driving nice cars, but I was also reading every day. And so he would hand me books. Um, way of the peaceful way. Of the peaceful warrior was the first book. Uh, Way the Superior Man. There's a lot of different books that he brought up to me. And I remember just sitting in his house during the day. I would ditch school and I would sit at, uh, at his house in Irvine and just read books, read personal development books. Um, and I went to my first prepaid legal, like, you know, corporate conference. I think it was in Oklahoma City. And I was dead broke back then. And the one thing I appreciated about him is he, he doesn't rescue people. So he didn't enable me. He didn't buy me a ticket to fly out with him. Uh, he basically said, here's where I'm going to be. And if you're interested get your ass there and figure out a way. So I remember I booked a Greyhound ticket, a Greyhound bus ticket to get from Orange County to Oklahoma City. And it took 32 or 34 hours. 
uh, multiple stops. I mean, it was a miserable ride. But I got to the conference, and that was the first pro- that was the first moment in my life when I realized, regardless of all of the bullshit around me um, and the adversity and the failures and everything, that as long as I continue to elevate my character as a human being and surround myself with the right people, I will get through the storm that I'm in. And that's kind of where it all started. I like how you threw that in, elevate my character. Like that? A little pitch for the podcast, bro. <laughs> I love that. No, man, I, I, it sounds like you just caught the bug, right? So it's yeah. so cool because you're talking about ditching school. And so most person, most people on the surface are like, oh, he's just, he's not going to school. He's being a loser. But you're over here getting educated in your own way. Yeah. And it clearly paid off. Right, because I mean, I, let's not get into the school system and what they're teaching kids and stuff. But yeah, we can go down that rabbit you're, hole. You're definitely, you're definitely getting a higher level of education on your own. Yeah, you're just a little bit ahead of your time, which is really cool. <laughs> so I got a fun question. Uh, so I recently went through a Phil Jones exactly what to say um, certification course. It's a two day course. It's five thousand five hundred dollars. Mm. Um, a lot of people ask me, like, hey, how much was that? And I told them, and they were like, bro, you're insane for spending that much money on the certification. And I just don't see it that way. Like, my mindset is, yep. is, is $5,500 a lot of money? Of course. Can I buy a lot of other things with it? Yeah. But I know with certainty that I will learn something in that class that will allow me to turn that $5,500 into $500,000. Or at a minimum, like 20000 right? If I just sell one additional home because of a a strategy I learned in that class, I'm going to 5X my money. Mm-hmm. What's the most amount of money you've spent on a, on a class or maybe like in a year on self-development? Definitely Tony Robbins Platinum Partners. So, yeah. and you probably knew that. I, I, I sort of figured, <laughs> but I'm like, who knows, man? You know, maybe Al has something else up his sleeve. Yeah, so I'd say the single most expensive event that I spent money on was Date with Dest- Tony Robbins' Date with Destiny event. And I booked the... Uh, uh, I think not the platinum ticket, but it's a step right below. So it's $5,000 a ticket. And I brought my wife because I was told that is the event that you a hundred percent go with your spouse to. Right. Um, and so Alyssa and I went together and that was a December of 2019. So the total combined, just the tickets were 10 grand for that. Um, but then the following year in 2020 during COVID was my plat year. So it was a 12 year or excuse me, a 12 month program. And the tuition for that alone was $85,000. Plus, you know, we obviously traveled and the travel expenses were not covered uh, as well as everything else involved in that year. So I think in total for for my plat year, I spent about $125,000 in personal development. I remember you telling me that and I was just like blown away by it. But I will say when we were when we were connected at Keller Williams uh, working together, I remember that moment where you're like, hey, I've got to hook up at Tony Robbins and you should do it and blah, blah, blah. So I feel like you were just kind of getting into it. Would you say that? Tony Robbins and the Platt group was really the, the, the catapult in your life where you went from doing what you were doing to playing significantly bigger or was it another moment? Man, so uh, before my exposure to Tony Robbins, you had mentioned the core a few minutes ago and the yep. core is a, uh, it's, the, it's the number one lending, mortgage lending coaching company in the nation. Very, very high intensity coaching. At the time, it was $3,000 a month. And it's, I mean, extremely high level accountability. So like if you're late to the calls by two minutes, you get fined, you know, sometimes a thousand dollars if you miss the prospecting call. I mean, it was a very high level of, of intensity. And I was in that program for, in the top level program for about three years, right before I, I uh, joined the Platinum Partner Group. So I actually shifted from the core over to Tony Robin Platt. So uh, it's it's kind of a, uh, a two-pronged approach with 
the impact I had in personal development, Tony Robbins. I, you know, I started doing really well in the, in the mortgage business after, uh, after I joined the core, basically 2015, 16, 17, um, I started making a bunch of money. Um, I was dead broke before then. So I think in 2014, I made 70 grand. Half of that was in Q4 of 2014, right after I joined the core. So I went made 70 wow. grand in 14. I think it made 250 the next year, 375. And then it was about 500,000 a year in income for a few years. And then COVID hit and we were in the mortgage industry was one of the businesses that just absolutely crushed it. Exploded. And so exploded, dude. It was like 12 to 14 hours a day behind the desk. We're stuck, you know, we're at home anyway. So I'm just working my tail off and um, made back to back seven figure net income years in 2020, 2021. Um, so from a single lane aspect of business, the core was very pivotal for me to be able to build success, high level accountability and everything. The, the difference is, is that I realized at the end of, uh, really at the end of 2019, Date with Destiny event that I went to, I remember sitting there, one of my biggest ahas or takeaways or realizations or epiphanies, whatever you want to call it, coming out of that event, was I was unfulfilled in the mortgage business. And so a lot of people don't know this. Like, you and I have very similar network. I'm sure a lot of the people that are probably going to see this podcast are friends of ours. Um, I kind of exited out of the mortgage scene of probably six, seven, eight months ago. And I didn't really talk too much about it. This is probably the first time I'm actually talking about it. Um, but there was a reason for it. And it wasn't out of nowhere. So at the end of 2019, when I was at Destiny, I remember writing down that I'm extremely unfulfilled in the mortgage business. Yeah. Mortgage for me was a vehicle to get out of survival. And that was it. There was no passion. There was no excitement behind it. I was just very much, I'm dead broke. And this is my ticket out. And so I just worked hard on everybody else. And then I got to that place where I went, we're, we, and you know, I will, I will add that the one amazing thing about the core outside of the accountability and the prospecting is they teach you how to save your money and to invest your money. And that's something that most coaching companies don't do. As you know, in real estate, like they're great about production, 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 but top line revenue, top most, line revenue. most coaching companies focus on top line revenue and We've have had these discussions with friends where like you'll have a team that makes one and a half million but spends one point four making it. So what's the point of all that stress? <laughs> right. So the core always hammered home net income, net income. We would yeah. share our literally. We had to turn in our our uh, personal budgets to our coach every month. They see every penny we spend. Our pers our P and Ls from our business, and we were we were held accountable to how much we were saving and investing each month. <clears throat> that is the sole reason I believe I was in a position to exit the business after 2022 was because we had done great for seven years in a row, but we saved and invested my wife and I did. Um, but it was at that, uh, you know, to answer your question it was at that event where I realized I don't want to retire in this business. And so I didn't know what I was going to do at that point, but when 2020 started um, and it was really interesting, right? Like divine intervention, God universe, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I'm of the mind that it's God that stuck his hand in my life and went, this is the route that I want you to go. Um, you know, but I was at this place and I went, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do, but the one thing I know is I don't want to do this anymore. And so I literally got back. I talked to my coach and I got out of the core literally that at that moment. Um, and it was some people, a lot of people thought it was a very emotional and rash decision. I was just clear on, I, there's something else I want in my life and God has a bigger plan and purpose for me. Um, and so spent two years, again, working 12 hours a day, just in the mortgage business, racking in and then saving and investing. But then I was also, I spent one whole year between, uh, uh, June or July of 2020 through 2021, um, immersed in apartment syndications. 
And so I took a coaching course and I just wanted to learn about how to syndicate apartments. Underwriting, you know, 200 unit apartment buildings and developing a business plan and bringing on investors and all that stuff. So I think I started dipping my hand in five or seven different business ventures just to figure out where I wanted to go. Um, it was at that moment where I said, okay, I think there's a path here. I just don't know when. And I rode the wave. Like I wasn't going to leave the mortgage business at literally the best time in the history of mortgage. Rode the wave, had a plan with my team to be able to exit. And obviously, obviously the economy has been rough over the past year and mortgage business has felt it. And so yeah. I was at a crossroads. It was like, hey, I either continue the loan business and I rebuild the team back up and I spend another two to three years doing this for potentially to live off of an override there. Um, or I take the fork in the road and I exit and I go build uh, businesses outside of the mortgage industry. And so that's that's really what I did. And that's why I did it. Um, I saw friends in real estate. I still have, I still have uh, uh, team members that still worked with me at that point that are in the business now. Um, I love a lot of the people that I worked with, and it was no ill will or anything. It was just ready for something different. Yeah, it was right time way. for a change. Yeah, I, that's the one thing that I, I I admire about you is when you when you get clarity, you make a decision, and that's the biggest thing. Is is it's not necessarily being the smartest person. It's really just taking action, right? So many people overthink things, and when you know, you know. So. I, yeah, I love that, man. Big takeaway from Tony Robbins was that, like, the best time to, to make a decision, forward progress towards a vision or a mission or a purpose that you have is when you're in that emotional state. Do something. Um, we'll talk about the world travels, I'm sure, in a little bit, too, but that's when Alyssa and I decided to, to pack yeah, up a yeah, year that's in travel. This is, that's in there. That's in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll talk about that when we get to that. For sure, man. So... You and I are business partners. We're, we're building a, we've got a couple things going on, right? We're, we're, we're building a private equity fund. We're investing in some fun, interesting, cool things, yep. um, some private deals. And then now we're working on a multifamily new construction development syndication. Yep. And, you know, I'm so grateful that when we started working on this project, I talked to you about it and you decided to join us because the, the what you bring to the table when it comes to experience on, on these types of things is incredible because... I feel like a deer in headlights. And you know this about me, right? I'm a butterfly. I, um, I like to raise capital. I like to create connections. I'm a networker. When you start putting contracts in front of me, my eyes start going cross-eyed. <laughs> and so my question for you is, was there a point in your, on your journey where you were like, what is all this stuff? I don't get any of it. And then how long did it take you to say, you know what? I'm starting to get this stuff. And these, Because obviously your experience with contracts now isn't what it was when you first started. So like, what did that journey look like? Really interesting question. So I was talking to somebody about this the other day, actually. Um, so in 2019, no, it was in 2020, because I got the book recommendation from Tony Robbins. So Jim Quick wrote a book called Limitless. Yeah. You heard of it? Yeah. So Jim was a speaker at one of Tony's events, and he, at one of the Platt events, and he gave the books out to everybody during one of the Platt events. And I remember I went back home and I read the book, and the entire, no, so if, for those of you that don't know uh, who Jim Quick is, obviously he's an author, he's developed, um, he's developed techniques and processes for training your brain effectively uh, to understand and retain information. His core belief is that our superhuman power or superhuman strength is our, our ability to learn and retain information. And learn and develop new skill sets. So I read that book. What's interesting is he had an accident. Don't quote me on, on the scene of it. He goes through it in the book. Make sure you read it. But he had an accident when he was, I believe, in kindergarten, fell in the playground, hit the back of his head on a pole or something, and he actually had brain damage from that accident. He had trouble retaining information. He had memory challenges. Um, and then he started basically 
uh, training his own mind and developing the skill set of his mind to retain information. Now he retains, and he goes through speed reading techniques and memorization techniques and things like that in his book. But the biggest takeaway that I had was his core belief that despite where you came from, what labels or disabilities the world places on you, uh, I understand there's exceptions to that, obviously, but in his case, he had an accident and then everybody in his life signed him off and said, well, he's just going to be a special kid the rest of his life. Um, but he took that and he said, I just, I'm not going to subscribe to that belief and that model. And he worked his tail off and developed his brain. And he's one of the smartest human beings I've ever seen um, in terms of retention. And he's very articulate. Um, and he loves to share his vision and passion for what he does. And my takeaway from that is my superhuman strength is my brain. It's my ability to learn a new skill set. And so I kind of, I, I paralleled that with something I learned from Tony Robbins, which, and there's variations of this, but there's the four evolutions of learning. Uh, and so we understand that there's, um, the, the first stage is unconscious incompetence. So we don't know what we don't know. Yep. Then there's conscious incompetence. We do know that we don't know shit. Yep. And then there's conscious competence, meaning I'm learning a new skill set, uh, but I have to be coherent and conscious when I'm practicing that skill set because it's not automatic yet. And then the last stage, which is where everybody strives to get to, is unconscious competence, which is like driving a car. You don't have to think about it. You get in about, you know, you get in the driver's seat and you get from your home to your office, and in half the time you're like, I don't even remember how I got here. It's that level of understanding of whatever your craft is. And so it was about, about right about that same time where I learned that and I read Jim's book. And so I started to realize that there's a hack to learning new skills and retaining information. And it's your level of passion and intensity and conscious focus when you're doing the action. So you talk about like fighting, you know, we've trained Muay Thai together and Muay Thai and kickboxing has become a huge part of my life. Martial arts has over the last three or four years. Um, and that's something I adopted right when I started training was I don't care how much I suck or how bad I look when I do it, but I'm going to bring a level of intensity and desire and almost that rookie mentality of like, I'm excited and I'm here to learn. The interesting thing is that mindset is what allows us to retain the information and develop the skill sets deeper. So we're talking, let's jump back over to, you know, contracts and document reviews and things like that. I spent a year in the syndication space just, un, you know, analyzing uh, large multifamily development, not development deals, but syndication deals. So uh, older assets, you pick them up and there's value add opportunities, like flipping a home, but imagine doing that on a hundred unit property, right? Um, and, but in, in that you've got to understand and read the profit and loss statements. You've got to, uh, you know, develop, uh, contracts. You have to understand how to read purchase sale agreements, being in real estate, flipping properties the last three or four years, uh, being in that syndication space. Um, and just understanding that I want, I want to develop this skill set. Like I want to understand how to read this stuff. I'm going to need this stuff as I want to develop as an entrepreneur and other businesses anyways. And so it was just time on task over time with the right mindset. Wow, man. That's awesome. Honestly, like the way I'm just thinking as you're talking and it's like, okay, my mindset is, oh my gosh, I'm horrible at this stuff. And you know, this isn't my skill set. And you're over here like, okay, there's four levels of understanding how this is going to work out. I'm at level one. How do I get to level two? Once I get to level two, how do I get to level three? What do I have to do? But I really do love what you said. Actually, one of my uh, contacts on social media, um, he's a trainer. He, I was watching one of his reels this morning and he said, life is significantly better when you approach it with enthusiasm. That's what he said. Yeah. And you literally just said that, right? So like you're, rather than looking at something like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do this. It's, 
I'm excited to learn a new skill set. And mm-hmm. then you just ripped a Band-Aid off. And now fast forward, you're basically running our syndication. I just don't know where we would be without you. Um, and so that was a great answer, man. Like I totally understood awesome. your mindset. Thank you for that. Yeah. So I know you talked a little bit about um, your short-term rental mm-hmm. business. One of my questions is like, what is it, one of your primary focuses right now? It sounds like that might be it. Yeah, that's it. So um, when I made the decision to leave mortgage, uh, I dabbled in wholesaling and flipping. My brother and I flipped some properties. We had another partner we were flipping properties with and wholesaling properties with as well. Uh, and then at the beginning of this year, 2023, realized that's not the route we're going to take. We just, it was an amicable split. We decided it just doesn't make sense to move forward. And I honestly wasn't super passionate about wholesaling anyways. Um, but you know, my wife and I started, as I'd mentioned, saving, investing, all that fun stuff. So in 2020, we bought our first two, uh, rental properties and we bought them, uh, you know, with, with the intention of, of renting them and operating as vacation rentals, short-term rentals. And so that's what we did. We got a huge tax savings and maybe we can talk about some tips there uh, if we get to it. But that's when we started in 2020. Uh, and I was obviously, I, I told you I was slammed. I had a lot of work to do. And so uh, my wife, Alyssa, her background before we got married was in uh, hospitality. And so like she- five-star hospitality. Five and six-star resorts. So yeah. she worked um, at the one and only Hayman Resort in Australia, which is, I believe, the number one resort. It's a six-star resort. I think it's one of the only six-star resorts in the world. And she she uh, was an esthetician massage therapist, and she helped write a lot of their protocols and was in kind of a team lead position. They contracted her to go out to Dubai and effectively train the spa staff in Dubai. And that's when we met back in 2013 is when we were in Dubai. Um, she was there for work. I was visiting a family uh, that traveled there from Iran. And um, so it made sense. I've got a background in real estate, finance, numbers, all that fun stuff. And she's got a background in hospitality. And so she ran the day-to-day operations of our vacation rentals since we acquired them uh, basically Q3, Q4 of 2020. Uh, yeah, 2020 during COVID. And January of this year, you know, we had bought one more property last year and then we started managing a property from another owner, from another operator. Uh, and this is again last year in 2022. <clears throat> so January this year, fast forward, decided the wholesaling stuff wasn't going to work out. Again, I was certain I wasn't going to go back full time in the mortgage business. And it was kind of one of those fork in the road moments, you know, like, um, you know, you're a man of faith. And so I know we can have this conversation. Like sometimes we've got a plan for things, but God's got a different plan. And sometimes he's just got to let us scrape our knees until we decide that we're going to get out of his way and, you know, let him work in our lives. And that's what it was. I'm, I'm a very, um, I'm a very purpose driven individual and I had a mission and a vision for what I wanted to do. God's vision for my life was different. And so I kept getting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Um, the one thing that I've been fortunate and blessed with is uh, just perseverance and grit. And so I'm, I'm really thick-headed when it comes to quitting on things. Like, I just don't. Um, I will, I, you know, it's interesting. I'll, quick sidebar is one of the most influential videos that I've ever seen. And it was an interesting moment in my life. And it was when I was starting my mortgage career. It was Will Smith uh, talking about there's a scene where he's interviewed and he's interviewed a bunch back in the day. Um, there's a specific scene where he talks about uh, being on the treadmill. And if you're on the treadmill next to me, um, you, you're not going to beat me. Like I, if you beat me, it's because I'm dead. I will outwork any human being around me. And so that was, that's just the mindset I have. Like, I don't care how much smarter you are than me. I'm just going to work harder until eventually I figure it out. And so uh, when I, in, in, you know, January, February of this year, it just kind of dawned on me. It slapped me in the face and I went, man, I think the opportunity that I've been looking for is right in front of me and that's to get 
fully involved and immersed into our vacation rental business and grow that. And so I basically pushed all of the other primary projects I had to the side other than our private equity group and what we're doing. Um, but my day-to-day focus is to build our management company. And we have, I think, tripled our book in the last four months from it. Um, I'm actually out here in California right now because we're acquiring another property. Um, I've done, I've, I've put together joint ventures on them, done some syndication models and vacation rentals. Uh, we'll, we, my vision is we will have the largest vacation management company in the U.S. And I know what the big players are doing. I know what their numbers are. Um, and I know it's a bold statement, but I, under, I also understand that um, most of these guys, when they start racking up a bunch of money, that's where they stop working hard. I don't care about the money. Yeah, The money comes. Um, but the impact I want to have in this world requires a lot of influence, which requires a lot of money. Uh, and so that's the path I'm on right now. So I'd love to kind of dive deeper into that right there. That, sure. that you know, let's say you, you're making lots of money. Where, where does the contribution come in? What is something that you're really passionate about right now? How do you like to give back? Yeah, you know, so one of the areas that I've, uh, my wife and I both have been involved with over the last, three to four years is, is uh, human trafficking, child trafficking. It's been pretty near and dear to my heart. Um, There's a lot of publicity on that right now too. Tons of it. And it's, it's kind of sick that, you know, a lot of people have heard of the movie Sound of Freedom, Tim Ballard, uh, who the movie's about. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting Tim. Um, really, really, really cool guy. And just, uh, it's crazy how much he cares about what he does. Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's some bad press on him as there is. It's obvious because, you know, when you start, ruffling the phages, uh, excuse me, ruffling the feathers and the cages of politicians and Hollywood. Well, guess what happens? They're going to try to shut oh, you yeah. down. Um, and so, you know, he's doing some incredible work and he's not the only one. There's, there's quite a few other organizations that are doing it, but the awareness is picking up right now. Um, and so that's something that's really near and dear to our heart. I think in 2020 and 2021, I think we donated over a hundred thousand dollars to them. And that, and that was just my wife and I personally. And that was something that was a really proud moment in my life when I got to the end of the year and I went, man, I know, you know, I, I, I had a mission and a vision for wanting to be an operator. Like that's why I started training martial arts is I went, I want to start kicking some doors down, hunting some pedophiles. But then I realized <laughs> through that. And while I still want to do that, obviously, yeah. um, what I realized is I can have an impact without just having to kick doors down. And so that's when we started donating, contributing, helping with some events and things like that. And so that's, that's an area that we definitely want to contribute to. And, more recently is just mental health as a whole. I think that, you know, the problem, I mean, we can go down the political rabbit hole, but at the end of the day, I think the biggest problem in the world and America's facing right now beyond anything else is the mental health in our youth. And I think that starts in the household. Um, and so I know that I don't know what, what capacity or in what lane yet, but I know that I want to work with, uh, especially uh, young boys that uh, don't have fathers and have a father figure in their lives. Um, that was a, uh, I'm one of the fortunate ones, I think, that got through a lot of that. But if you look at the statistics for somebody that grew up with my background, you're either in prison or dead. Um, and so I feel like it's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's something that's near and dear to my heart, and it's something that I personally experienced. And I want to be able to help carry some of these kids through that. But I know I've got to get, uh, you know, our lives in order, and you know, just get things dialed in and be able to create a massive influence. Um, my, my next question is how do you sharpen your ax? But I, I kind of think I know already. And so I want to go into a, a fun story. One of my favorite memories of you, bro, is, is Muay Thai, right? So, so we're in Costa Rica, we're, we're business planning, we're masterminding and you're, you know me, like I'm pretty down to do most things. And especially when it comes to like exercise and movement. And so yeah. you're like, dude, you want to go Muay Thai with me tomorrow? And I was like, let's, let's do that, man. Like, let's go. And we went and I was a total rookie and we watched you spar for a little bit and, 
And uh, we just had a little bit of fun, but that got me interested in it. So I came back home and I started Googling like gyms in, in the area. And I yeah. found one that was like a mile and a half away. And, and fun story, I'm actually going to be interviewing Coach John. No way. Yeah, dude. So he's going to be coming on the awesome. podcast in September. Very cool. So I'm super pumped about it because he's like a he's a French champion, yeah, bro. Like for, for those of you that don't know, Jean Carrillo is like one of the pioneers in in Muay Thai and uh, American kickboxing. He's got a, a very extensive career and background, and he's trained some of the best fighters oh, yeah. in the world. And he's got his gyms here in Orange County, and the guy just loves the sport. Oh, he dude, he loves it, man. And I I was so grateful when I found it because I'm like, this isn't somewhere you go to burn calories. Like this is somewhere you go to fight. Oh yeah, like day one, he was like, "You partner up with him," and he just started kicking me, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" But like, what's the best way to learn something? Throw someone in the deep end, right? That's right. So I'll never forget because then you were you had already left, Mm -hmm. and then you came back, and you're like, I was like all excited. I'm like, "Bro, you gotta you gotta come to my gym, and we can do Muay Thai together." And my seriously, the funnest time was when we sparred, and. Because it went from, do you want to come do Muay Thai with me in Costa Rica? And I have no idea what's going on to you and I are going at it for three minutes. Yeah. And I had been practicing for maybe four or five months. And I'll never forget, like, you totally kicked my ass in that three-minute <laughs> period. Like, it got extremely aggressive from my perspective, at least. Yeah. But it was exhilarating. And I feel like I held my own. You know? I think you did, too. I feel like sure. I held my own. And I was like, dude, that's crazy, man. Like, four months ago, I had no idea what's going on. And now I feel like I kind of got an idea. And so I was always grateful for you. But my question here, other than wanting to kick down doors and beat up pedophiles, like what really got you into Muay Thai and what, in, in fighting in general and what keeps you there? Like, what does it do for you? Dude, that's a really good question. Because it's, it, so I started training Krav Maga in uh, 2020, um, 2019 and 2020. And it was all self-defense training, weapons manipulations, knife defenses, gun defenses, stick defenses, choke defenses, how to get, you know, how to, how to defend yourself against multiple attackers. So it was a lot of self-defense training. And I started doing that because I wanted to go start kicking doors down, but there was no competition element to it. And I'm a very competitive person, meaning Krav isn't a martial art that we train and we spar with each other. We do, there's some sparring elements, but I mean, we're doing throat strikes, groin strikes, um, ripping cheeks out, breaking fingers, breaking hands, stabbing people. Like, that's not stuff that you can really train effectively in a comp- <laughs> yeah. competitive setting. Setting, And so um, I wanted to start developing my, my uh, stand-up sparring game. And it was really, you know, punches and kicks. And so I started uh, training with a buddy of mine, Kelvin, um, at a boxing gym in South Orange County. And he was started training me in, on Muay Thai as well. And it was at that moment that the sparring element, the competitive nature kicked in. I went, I freaking love this. And so Krav's a big part of my life. I think it will always be. And I'll probably end up going back. I ended up stopping at the green belt. Didn't move over to blue. I, I, we moved right before I was going to test for blue. And blue's at the first expert level of Krav. I'll end up coming back to it. But then I flipped over to Muay Thai. Um, and so that's kind of the journey I've been on the last probably year. And I've trained in different parts of the world. That's been a really cool experience too. Um, and so I yeah, realized you've trained in Costa Rica, you've trained in Australia, you're training in North Carolina, like yeah. you trained in Orange County. Yeah. Trained in Mexico. Everywhere like just you go, places. you find a spot. Like, it seems like that's your rock. A hundred percent is. And I think the reason for it is, um, I grew up with a lot of the, the adversity I faced growing up and just the environment that I grew up in. I was a very angry and depressed child. And, um, I was very, like I had massive road rage until probably five years ago, even just before I started training martial arts. But what it did for me was allowed me to, to harness and channel that anger and frustration 
um, and be in a position. So, so two prongs, one, obviously that, and just being able to handle my own emotions a bit better. Um, but also deal with the pressures of life. And so, you know, we talk about this, like there's so many in jiu-jitsu as well as Muay Thai and other martial arts, there's so many references that parallel in life. Um, I remember I trained jiu-jitsu for a few months and my jiu-jitsu professor, um, who's a five, six-time world champion, and he was, he used to always use life references as it pertains to Muay Thai. And so, or excuse me, as it pertains to jiu-jitsu. And uh, Muay Thai is no different, right? You don't turn your, you know, you, you face your problems in life you um you don't turn your back on it you uh respect for like all these different aspects of it and um for me with muay thai when somebody's coming at me and trying to literally rip my head off and wants to smash me through a wall um and they're giving me constant pressure i've i'm in a position where i'm defending myself and i'm looking to attack and all that but i've also got to keep myself calm and so that's the big thing that it's done for me because i grew up very angry growing up it's very easy for me to go to that place of losing control of my emotions. And when somebody cracks you pretty hard with a right, you want to go back and repay the favor. And so what it, what it constantly challenges me to do every day is to keep myself calm and breathe through these dynamics and see the opportunities that come. You're going to eat some shots in life, and that's just the reality of it. But how you respond, I think, is what we can control. I told you this morning I had a pretty gnarly fun training session with um, one of my old coaches that are here in Orange County. And he used to, he used to fight professionally for about eight years. Um, big dude. He's 217 pounds as of this morning and 6'5", and he just hits like an absolute truck. And I remember about a year ago, last time I sparred with him, um, he was just overwhelming me. Much bigger dude. I'm, I'm, you can't tell right now I'm 5'10". I weigh about 160 pounds. So this guy's 60 pounds on me, about an 8-inch reach. And wow. it's very uncomfortable when that guy is applying pressure to you constantly. But I was so much more comfortable today. Like, I didn't kick his ass, and I probably never will. But I was in a position where I felt like I could hold my own, and I could control the amount of pressure that he was bringing to me, control my emotions, and then respond as opposed to react. And that's probably the biggest thing I'm trying to focus on right now in my life, is in, in life and in business, is learn how to respond in situations as opposed to reacting. One of the things that we worked on when we first started this private equity fund, when we started working with our mentors, was comfortably confronting our sensations. <laughs> and that's all I can think of when you talk about that. But it's true, right? Like, mm -hmm. shit goes down. You either have your head on straight and you have a strategy and you attack or you panic and you drop the ball. And so being able to hear like, you know, fighting is a very in the moment, you're very present. Like you're not thinking about anything when you're fighting, right? So mm -hmm. it's like you could be super present, but I could see yeah. you just being calm, analyzing your options and not feeling overwhelmed with what you have to do. And that's what it takes to win, right? Yeah. And that's, that's life, man. Like we're working on this big development project and there's been, you know, there's been curveballs left and right the last six, seven months dude right? it's crazy the deal continues to change yeah weekly monthly and that's what it is you know we're playing in a much bigger realm and you know we're nowhere at the level that we want to be and we're going to do much bigger deals than this but you know working on a 50 60 million dollar project is yeah. bigger than anything i thought i would ever work on right and so life throws curveballs and for somebody like me that's an emotional person anyways like how do i keep myself to be an emotional rock and martial arts has done that. And, it, and I don't want to say like it's a destination I've hit because it's, it's a constant moving target. Yeah. But it continues to reinforce that. It's a discipline, man. And I love it. You're just constantly improving. You're never, you're never perfect. Yeah. And obviously the other side benefit is we live in a weird world right now. We really do. Um, Self-defense is important. That's, that it, was brother. one of the reasons why. It's one of the three reasons why I decided to 
learn more about like Muay Thai and just fighting in general. I want to know how to defend myself if it comes to it. Yep. So I love it. So we've talked a, a little bit about, you know, you, you've kind of dropped in, sprinkled in the fact that you are kind of on the road now, right? You guys, are, well, you've settled in, you've settled yeah, in, yeah. but, but all I remember is like a year and a half ago, you're like, all right, man, so nobody knows this, but I'm selling my house and we're going to go to Australia for a little bit. And then we're going to go to Colombia for a little bit. We're, we're going to stop in Costa Rica for a little bit. And, yeah. and, and now you've settled in North Carolina and you've signed a year long lease. So yep. you, you've got some stability and certainty there, but what's the motivation behind your, your move? I mean, I know you kind of hinted at it. Let's go a little bit deeper into that. Yeah. So that's something that I am very interested in too. I mean, once COVID hit mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh my gosh, wait, we can work remotely. And then, cause my, my limiting belief is, I sell residential real estate. Mm-hmm. I run a team that does stuff locally. How can I yeah. not be here when we sell homes here? Yeah. But that was a self-limiting belief that I had until Tony Robbins. And I was like, no, I can do whatever I want if, as long as I have a plan. So tell us about your plan. So April of last year, I was in a, a real estate mastermind group around wholesalers, flippers, and real estate investors. Um, and they, I had never gone on a missions trip in my life, but it was always, it was always one of those things that's in the back of my mind. Like if an opportunity presents itself and if somebody asks me, I want to go on a missions trip. So I was in this mastermind group and it was October of 21, I believe was the actual event that where, where they presented us the opportunity to go on a missions trip. And they said, basically, if you donate $10,000 to nonprofit today, we'll secure your seat to go on the missions trip. And I'm one of those guys that's like, like I grew up broke. And I, I had a lot of money at that time. We're still do well now. But at the end of the day, I was like, well, $10,000 is a drop in the bucket and I can help somebody and it's going to help me be able to secure a seat to go on a mission trip. Like it was one of those like divine intervention moments where I'm like, I need to take this door that God's presenting to me. Yeah. So I wrote the check and then secured the seat and the missions trip was in, it was going to be in Mexico, just like an hour and a half outside of Cancun, which by the way, for those of you that, you know, have been to Cancun, obviously it's a resort town. It's, it's, it's tons of uh, tourists and everything. But you go about 45 minutes away from there, an hour away from there, and it is, I mean, some of the craziest poverty that you've seen. Kids are sleeping on the ground, um, in huts, no shoes, raggedy clothes, all that. So we went on a, uh, it was a mastermind event in Cancun, but the five days before the mastermind event. So this was April of 2022 was the actual event. And um, so I was heading out to go on this missions trip. Um, and I remember my wife and I, Alyssa and I were sitting in the hot tub, the I think the night before, two nights before I was going to leave. Um, and the mortgage industry obviously started feeling it already. Rates had started to go up. Uh, market was in a was in an interesting place. I was of the mind, and I still am, that you know economics are going to be pretty rough the next couple of years. Um, and living in South Orange County, like we, our expenses, total, our total survival number was about $24,000 a month. Mortgage, expenses, um, you know, gas, food, groceries, all that fun stuff. And when I say survival, that's like entertainment expenses and stuff like too, that too. We were living a great life. But at the end of it, I went, that's a big burden going into an economic recession. And I, I know that those of us that made it out of the recession in 2008 and held on did really, really well. Most of everybody let everything go. And so if you can weather the storm, at least my philosophy is if you can weather the storm during the shittiest time economically and you can hold on and make it through, sky's the limit and you can accelerate out of that. And so I was just like, I wasn't emotionally attached to you know a, a big house and all the cars and all this other toys and shit. Growing up broke, you go, I don't really care about this stuff. It doesn't fill my cup. So it was kind of two things. I was going on the missions trip, and Alyssa was like, listen, what if we just – she made this joke in the hot tub. She's like, what if we just sold the house and went and traveled for a year? And I, I literally looked at her, and I was like, babe, you're crazy. 
I was of that same mind. Like, I don't even know how that's a yeah, reality. Yeah, we have these narratives that just hold us back. Man. So that was two days before I went on the mission trip. Go to the mission trip in Mexico, and I'm, uh, I'm in the sun with a huge group. There's probably 100 of us there, but we're in the sun for uh, five days straight, and I was on the team that we were laying um, cinder block. We were building an additional classroom for the school, and so we're laying cinder block and cement in the hot-ass sun for five days. And um, that was it. Like, I unplugged from everything, and I was there solely to do that. And so by the end of the mission strip, the last day, we had finished our work, and we were walking through the villages, and we went, We this kid rolled up to us in his little bike, beat-up clothes, beat-up bike, no shoes. And I remember it was me and uh, three of my buddies that were walking around the streets, and um, the kid walked up, and there was a translator there, too, and he was just asking us questions. He kept saying, like, one of my buddies, John, looked like... Uh, uh, Thor from, from, um, uh, oh gosh. It's like a Marvel or something. Yes. Thank you. I'm Marvel so bad Comics, at this kind man. of stuff. I, I've Comics. never seen it. Like people give me crap for not watching it, but kind I'm never... disappointed in myself because I'm a huge Marvel fan. <laughs> I Anyways, don't know how I knew the answer. Um, so the kid was just like <laughs> static. Like he was, it's the biggest smile I'd seen on a kid's face. And I grew up in South Orange County. This is one of the wealthiest areas on the planet. Yeah. Like, the poverty limit, we're sitting in, uh, we're actually in Newport Beach, which is, <laughs> um, has a bit more money than Irvine, but the city of Irvine, as of two or three years ago, the poverty limit was $86,000 a year. So if you make eight, less than $86,000 a year, you're considered below the poverty line, which is insane. That is still the top 1% of income earners on yeah. the planet. And yeah. so this kid was beyond ecstatic. And something just hit me at that moment. And went, holy shit, I've been looking at this thing the entire wrong way, my entire life. And I was chasing survival to get out of it. Yeah. Or excuse me, I was chasing money and, and success to get out of survival. And then I realized, like, man, I don't need any of that stuff to be happy. And uh, my daughters now are four and five years old. And at the time, they were three and four. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, we don't need any of this shit. I get, so that was the last day of the mission trip. I get back to the hotel room that night. I told you that we were doing a mastermind event right after it. So my wife, Alyssa, and my brother, Fred, ended up flying out for the mastermind portion of the event and so i called Alyssa that afternoon i said um let's do it let's sell our shit let's sell the house and let's go travel like why the hell not our kids are young enough right now um we met internationally we love to travel anyways like we've got the money even if things go to shit and we can't you know we don't bring a penny of income for a couple of years we'd be okay and so we sold this that was in april um had that conversation she's like okay i'm flying over tomorrow like hold your horses let me get over there we'll talk about it so we talked about it, and then uh, we booked a Airbnb in Costa Rica in September. So that was in April. So we gave ourselves five months. That was like the drawing the line in the sand moment. And we said, you know what? If we don't, as Tony Robbins said, if we don't take emotional, if we don't take action when we're in that emotional state, it's never going to get done anyways. Yeah. And I knew that, and I know that today. And so we sat down and we said, okay, let's book the Airbnb. So we left on September 26th. We booked it for four weeks in Costa Rica. Um, I paid $4,000 for the Airbnb and I, it was non-refundable. And so we gave ourselves five months to get our affairs in order, sell our house and set off. So that's kind of where we started, man. Yeah. That's such a cool story. And, and so now you guys have settled in North Carolina and just living life, doing your Liking thing. it out there. Yeah. It's a different pace of life for sure. Economically, um, the, the, the state is run really well. They're, they have a lot of growth. A lot of big companies are moving over there and it's a better pace of life for our kids. Um, my older daughter started kindergarten about a month ago. My younger daughter started in preschool in two weeks. 
we don't know if we're going to be there forever, but you know, so yeah. far we like it. And, um, I found a fight gym 15 minutes from my house. So, so all as well. So talking about your daughters and, and, and all the stuff that you're doing, how do you, I know balance is kind of a BS thing. <laughs> um, but how do you find time to be intentional with the businesses that you're working on, but also be intentional and present with your, your family? Cause I know you are that way. Yeah, it's it, dude. It is a. It's never a destination you get to. It's constant tweaking because some weeks are more uh, taxing and demanding than others. Um, but at the end of the day, I when I when we f- first had kids five years ago, uh, I had a coach in the core at the time, um, and the mortgage industry was very stressful. Very stressful. Like it's almost like we were saving lives. It's disgusting how much stress is in that business. I think it's one of the top ten most stressful jobs in America right now. Um, and so it was just constantly taxing. I didn't have much energy when I got home to have a conversation with my wife or spend time with my kids. And I remember my coach at the time said, I want you to put a sign on the outside of your garage door that leads into the house. So I see it every time I come home and it says, my family deserves the best of me, not the rest of me. Um, and I'm not perfect, man. I mean, if you ask Alyssa, like I probably fail at this more often than I succeed at it. Yeah. That is always in the forefront of my mind of how do I become a better version of myself so that I can be around my kids? Because while my dad worked his ass off growing up, I didn't see him that much. And when I did, it wasn't very pleasant exchanges. And so I made the commitment that I wasn't going to be that way. I want to be involved in my kids' lives. And as I mentioned, I think one of the major issues in America right now is is inside the household. The parents aren't present. And when they're physically there, they're checked out on their phone. They're dealing with whatever the shit is that they're dealing with. And the kids are felt neglect, left neglected. Um, and so that's a majority of the stuff that we see, the problems that we see in America right now, I think stem from that. And so for me, it's understanding that I want to be not just um, in my daughter's lives, but I want to be viewed as, as their heroes. Like I want them to look at me and go, I love my dad and I know that he loves us and he's there for us when we need him, not just with bringing food home right. and that, but he's there for us emotionally. Um, and so there are times where I am so tired and I just don't want to talk to another human being. I'm sure you experience that too, dealing with people every day. But my older daughter, she's five years old and she's really excited to tell me about her day. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about anything else. I just want to sit with her and let her talk to me, you know? Yeah, no, I I love that. So many of us, I think, and I'm speaking from experience, think that you have to do something to, to feel a certain way, but you could choose to feel that way without having to do that thing. And it's like, I remember... As you talk, I'm thinking about one time I was at home and I was working on my phone uh, on a deal and Tanya was like, what, why, why are you still doing this right now? It's like 7.30. Like, why can't we just hang out? And I'm like, babe, I got to get this deal done because, you know, if I get this deal and I can earn the income, then you and I can have the life we want. She's like, we can have whatever life we want now without the deal closing. And I was like, oh, you're right. Like, we could just choose to be happy and have fun. So... I love that, man. So it's got to be the Aussie mindset, man. That's my I know. Life is the same. I know. So to close out this session, man, I have two kind of rapid fire questions I want to ask you. Um, number one is, what's the one thing that's on your radar right now? Maybe you know a little bit about it. Maybe you know nothing about it. But what's your next like? I want to learn about that. And, and, and I know you're you're focusing on the short term rentals, but is there something out there that's on your mind? Like I want to learn more about that or get involved. Yeah, I've always had a passion for real estate development. And so that's why I'm so passionate about this Fallbrook project that we're working yeah. on. I want to see a large scale, you know, we're building a 172 unit multifamily deal. We're almost, fingers crossed, we'll PSA accepted next two weeks. Accepted LOI, closed by beginning of 2024. Um, 
it's the biggest deal we've ever looked at. And it's super exciting to see that deal grow to fruition. So development's a huge game right yeah. now. I love that, dude. And you know, once we get that done in two years or less, we're going to do five in the same amount of time. Yeah. Like, so just going to rinse and repeat. Once we yep. get it down once and we have the financing in place and we have a track record, we're going to, it's going to explode. Yeah. So I'm pumped about that. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. Last question. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your next family dream vacation? Where do you want to take the family? Ooh. Um, Europe has always called us out. Like we wanted to do a uh, two month road trip around the UK a couple years ago. My wife, Alyssa got pregnant with our second daughter. So we tabled that trip and obviously COVID happened, all, all the travel restrictions and everything. But I'd say in the next year or two, I really personally want to go um, do a big trip uh, around the UK and Europe. Experience the world, man. I love it, dude. Brother. Thank you so much for your time today. It absolutely. was an absolute pleasure. I feel like I know so much more about you and I have a deeper respect for everything you do. And uh, this was awesome, man. Pleasure's mine, brother. Thanks so much for having me. If you guys like what we're putting here, you know, obviously do the social media thing, like, comment. If we shared a nugget with you that you think you might use one day, let us know, uh, you know, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. The more you support the channel, the more people we can serve. Um, we'll catch you next time.